This next episode was episode 134, where Walker Thornton talks about reconnecting sexually after menopause. Enjoy! Sometimes I think I'm the sex whisperer. Welcome back to the Rocky Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today we're talking about how we date and build intimate relationships as we age. I've had many listeners and guests who've reached out to me to talk about dating because, as you know, it's different as you get older. So if you're single and don't want to be, then you're going to love this episode. Now, I know that many of you are currently married, as am I, but you still might want to stick around because we will be showing you techniques that will also help you to connect with your spouse. After all, whether you're married or single, connection is the main thing that keeps two people coming back for more. Today's guest is Walker Thornton, and she is an author and a speaker who talks about aging and sexuality. I can't wait to hear what she's going to say about finding and keeping relationships as we age. But before we start, I wanted to tell you that this episode is brought to you by the Baby Boomers 30-Day Journal. This write-in journal helps you keep your life on track by tracking what's important. And one of the things that we track is getting and keeping that main love relationship, your significant other. And currently, you can get a PDF version of the journal absolutely free by going to rockyourretirement.com slash journal. Okay, I cannot wait any longer to hear about how we date and build intimate relationships as we age. Walker, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. But before we jump in, please tell the listener a little about yourself and how you came to be an expert on aging and sexuality. Okay, thank you. Um, you know, I have to laugh about the expert on um, <laughs> aging and sexuality because partly through experience, I'm 63 years old. And my background is in educational psychology and work in the field of women of violence against women. And I, oh. I sort of, I've been a writer for years, you know, as a child writing my own poetry and then journaling. And I started dating post-divorce in my early 50s. And I began writing about it at the same time that I was sort of transitioning out of a job. and began to realize that there were a lot of older women who had a lot of information that they needed and they didn't know where to find it. There wasn't much out there for women. We did education for kids, college students, but as we became adults, dating, re-experiencing life, there wasn't a whole lot of information to help us figure that out. So I, I took my background and my work and my personal experience and began to write about it and talk about it. And it's just grown from there. I've slid a little bit more into talking about aging as I and many of the people that I write and speak to, you know, are also aging. And that be, brings up questions and issues. So that's in kind of in a nutshell how I got here. Well, that's great. It's so important what you do because, you know, things aren't the same as they were in our 20s or 30s or 40s. You know, things change as we get older, especially if we're out there 
trying to date. So how do we start with this topic? I mean, we do have both men and women listeners to this show. Would you say that the first thing, you know, what's the first thing that you need to do if you're ready to to get out there? Well, the first thing is really to make sure you're ready, that you are not rushing out to sort of fill this void, that your desire to find someone to go out with is based on mutual interest. Um, I mean, yes, there's loneliness and yes, there's there's a, a loss of companionship, but often people rush out there sort of in despair. Oh my gosh, I've got to find somebody. And that can lead us to make not so wise choices, which I could attest to for myself. So I would say, you know, thinking about what you're looking for first, you know, what, what is it I want? Am I looking for um, a marriage partner? And I'm, am I looking for long-term? Am I looking for romance? Do I just want sex? Or do I just want sort of a friendly person to go and do things with me? You know, that's a good first step because it sort of helps you figure out what next steps to take and how to go about finding somebody. You know, that's so true because when people are desperate, I don't think they usually find the best partners. I would agree with that. Yeah. You know, and I think it can also be kind of a turnoff. You know, when I was uh, younger and I was dating, there were several times that I dated men that after the first, second date, they wanted to get married or something. And I always... I never saw them again. <laughs> they acted like <laughs> like they were too interested after the first or second date. That was just kind of a turnoff. I don't is that is that kind of weird? No, it's kind of common. I mean, it really is. I've actually been interviewed for my, you know, what I would want to be as a wife. I mean, I've actually had a date. I can remember where we had coffee, and there was something. I don't remember what it was, but there was something about me that didn't fit what he wanted in a wife. And I, I left that. It was very pleasant, but thinking, oh my gosh, he was interviewing. <laughs> and it, it, it I mean, I, you know, like I got disqualified before I even knew what I was in the running for. You're probably lucky. <laughs> well, no doubt, because, you know, I, I at that point wasn't looking for marriage, but you know, at least he had a, he had a game plan. But I, I have run into in my dating experiences a number of, of men, and I imagine that men could say the same about women who find themselves divorced or widowed, and, and they're not prepared to be alone. And there is this sort of desperation that comes through, and it really makes you a very difficult person to begin to have a relationship with because all those things are sort of flowing in and instead of taking time and letting the process unfold, there is sort of this agenda that can get kind of complicated. Now, you're actually a relationship coach, right? I mean, you're a like a dating coach or a relationship. What what would you call yourself? Um, <laughs> well, you know, sometimes, um, several names for that. Sometimes I think I'm the sex whisperer. Oh, that's a I'm, fun title. <laughs> Isn't it? I, it is. I, I do work with individuals who come to me to sort of talk about relationships or maybe sex. I have done conversations and helped women, more so than men, redo their dating profiles, sort of figure out what they needed to do 
So I, you know, I can kind of float between all of those. And, and it's a matter of sitting down and listening to somebody talk about what they think they're looking for, um, what the hangup is that is keeping them from finding it. And we problem solve together. You know, what is it that you might want to change? Why are you really doing this? It's, sometimes it's questions and that help that individual figure it out for themselves. Would you say that the online dating services are a, a good way, sort of an okay way or a great way to find someone that you can connect with? Well, you know, it's so funny. I'm writing stories right now about my dating experiences online. So I've spent the whole day looking at some very early dating stories of mine. And so I would have to say that they are sometimes awful and sometimes great. <laughs> it could be the whole range. It depends upon what your goal is. You know, take take somebody who doesn't get out a whole lot or isn't in an environment where there are lots of people of the opposite sex. Then a dating site can be a great way to begin to meet people. So it it can serve some great purposes. It sort of depends upon what you want and and how willing you are to try it. Because the dating sites are not as simple as it looks. You know, it takes some work, takes a lot of back and forth and interacting, being rebuffed, trying again. It's it's not that quick and simple as you know, the TV ads might make it, mm. might make it seem, and sometimes it can be awful. Right. So, uh, okay. So now my curiosity, tell us two stories, one of a date that was really, really great. And then tell us the awful date. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. You know, those are really, really great. I, I met this, this man, we were on Match.com, I think. I, I floated around different dating sites on and off over the years. And our first date was sort of magical. We, sight unseen, we had had a phone call first because I, I sort of have a rule. I'm not going to go out with somebody who's not willing to have a, a conversation with me on the phone first. We get a little better sense of each other. We can kind of figure out if we can talk to each other. And I can also tell if they are remotely like the person they portrayed themselves to be. Do people date without, do they meet without talking on the phone first? I would think that that would just oh. be a given. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You know, you talk quick, well, let's go out, let's meet for coffee. Here, I'll meet you at this place. And then it's kind of a rush. Yeah. Oh, wow. There's some people who don't want to take that time. And that's a, that's sort of a red flag for me. Now I say, let's slow down. You know, I'm. I'd love to meet you, but let's talk a little bit more, or let's let's engage. Um, I, so I had a man I never did meet. He was <laughs> in his thirties. Uh, you know, he wrote me, and I thought, well, why not? This would be a lark. I've never gone out with a man twenty years younger than me, so we'll have you know, we'll email. Did you wear so we a did. cougar outfit? I just have to ask. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, we never got to the date. Oh, because I. He asked me to call him, and I forgot to tell him that I would call him from a blocked phone number. Oh, I'm no. Right. I, I, and I'm not giving my phone number out to a stranger. I've done that. It didn't turn out very well. Yeah, that's smart. <laughs> so, so I call. He doesn't answer the phone. We're both still online, and I write him. And he says, did you just call me? And I said, yes, I did. And I apologize. I forgot to tell you. 
And he wrote back and he said, I won't talk to you if you won't use your regular number. Oh, my gosh. No. Well, he then went on to say, get over yourself. There are plenty of older women around here. Oh, no. So it wasn't really a magical date in the good magical sense. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, this was a different one, though. That was the bad story. Oh, that was the bad story. (laughs) That was the I jumped. Um, Sorry. No, no. I was thinking, uh, wait, what's good? (laughs) Okay, go ahead. The magical story was very nice. And... We had talked a couple of times on the phone. We waited a couple of weeks, and we we met in our little downtown area in the city that I live in, and we went out to dinner, and it just was one of those times when everything clicked. We had plenty to say to each other. Uh, we had dinner, which can be awkward if you're not clicking really well, especially if it's a nice meal because you've got a long way to go there right. and you're sitting at a table with someone and you're going, Oh my God. Um, but this was, this turned out to be very, very nice. And afterwards we walked up and down this bricked mall. It was warm weather outside. Actually, I think it was in August. And by the end of the evening, we're sitting on a bench still out in this public area, um, almost holding hands. And, you know, we ended up, seeing each other four or five nights later and we ended up living together for three years. It was, um, it was, it was just really nice. It, it worked the way you think you want it to work. Hmm. That, that is cool. Any, um, just quick tidbits of advice for people who are just getting into the online dating world. Like one of them would be (laughs) talk on the phone first. (laughs) Right. One of them would be, be honest about yourself. Don't be brutally honest, but be but be honest. Show what you look like now. You know, use a recent picture. Share enough information that allows that other person to get a sense of who you really are. Because ultimately, the two of you are going to meet in person. <laughs> and if you've fudged your age or fudged your, your physical health, or some other story, you'll be called out immediately. And it, uh, it, sets, it sets the scene for kind of a disaster when you walk in and you see that this person is clearly 20 years and maybe 50 pounds heavier, 20 years older, 50 pounds heavier than you thought. So I, I encourage people to be, to be open and honest about who they are, to to share their real selves as opposed to trying to craft a profile if you're writing a profile that is designed to attract. Mm, Good Um, advice. That is good advice. Yeah. I mean, because you want to be liked for who you are. So, you know, saying that you go to the gym five days a week, that you love camping when you think that will attract a man, but those are things you don't do. It just doesn't set the tone very well. I totally totally agree. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, another piece of advice I would offer is make that first date short. You know, pick a coffee, have a coffee date, or if it's evening, meet for a drink, but leave yourself an out so that if, if it's not going very well, you can say, you know, this was great. Thank you so much. I have to get to my next something and create something. If it's, if it's going beautifully, let's go take a walk or let's have lunch or give yourself that possibility. Give yourself the ability to 
to change your mind because you don't know. I mean, we can build chemistry on the phone. We can build chemistry in emails, but sometimes it doesn't always transfer to a real sort of attraction or chemistry when we actually get face-to-face with that person. That's true. And you do have more of a possibility of the chemistry if you do talk first. That's why I like the fact that you're saying to at least talk on the phone. And with these days, you can Skype so you can see each other face-to-face. Yes. Now, I did some face-to-face early on when I was dating without being really careful about it. And I, I think I started in desperation mode when I first started dating. I was just a little lost. And I'm a little careful about Skype and video because you don't really know who you're getting ready to talk to. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We don't know. There's there's some strange people out there. So you're absolutely right about that. And you may end up finding yourself staring at a naked person when you really oh, no. think that happens. Oh, yeah. no. Did that happen? <laughs> oh, it did. It did. I sort of stunned. Uh, like, oh, gosh, like, I, yeah. I didn't realize that this was that kind of video. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But that does lead us into, let's say you've been married for a long time and uh, your spouse passed away or you got divorced and it's been a year or two or however long and now you're ready to date. You are an expert on sexuality. How like how long should somebody wait these days? Now, I, I do have a lot of people that are of different religions, some people who are of no religion. And if you're listening with children, please uh, put your headsets on right now because we're going to we're going to talk about some intimate details here. Um, how long do people wait now? I mean, I remember the old third date rule. What is there a rule? When we're older, some people have rules. I've seen people, dating experts, you know, advise women not to have sex until they've dated months, you know, much, much longer than I think is necessarily um, reasonable. I think it depends upon each individual. My my general theory is, if if you really like this person and you're attracted, and you decide that you would like to have sex, then why not? But, but, and I think there are two conditions there. A, make sure that you're having sex because you want to, not because you think that having sex with this person will make them feel more likely to date you again. You know, be clear on that communication because women... Often and still, even at you know age fifty, sixty, and seventy, we, as a general rule, attach more romance to having sex, and men may not necessarily. So it can be really crushing to have sex with somebody very early in a dating relationship on date one or two or three, and then they disappear because they weren't really all that interested. Yeah. So I have a story about that. Having a conversation about that. Well, I think it's more of a woman thing. I mean, we tend to place intimacy together with wanting to be with somebody. And I don't know that men are wired the same way that we are. But I remember a few years ago, I had a friend and she was in her, I think she was in her mid-60s at the time. And she had been 
without a relationship for a long, long time. Her husband had passed away and it had been years. And she met somebody. And when I spoke with her, she was so excited. And she told me about some personal lubricant that she was using uh, that was helping her just in general, even if she wasn't having sex. And she was so excited about this man. And then the next time I saw her, she was devastated because after they were intimate, he basically didn't want anything to do with her. And, you know, I think it, it does, even though we're modern women, I think we still equate sex with love. You know, that's, I, I don't know if we're wired that way. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think we do. And and yes, I, I think most women feel that there needs to be a connection in that sexual relationship. And so they go into it thinking it means more. And I think it's partly because many of us, and certainly for me, this is true for me, we're wired to need that romantic connection in order for sex to have some meaning to it. I certainly don't enjoy just random sex. I need to have a connection. I need to feel like the person I'm with is someone special. So that meaning gets stuck in there. And I think are in this place nowadays where some women are trying to be, you know, cooler and hipper about it. And sure, why not? I want to have sex. And and we may kid ourselves. And lo and behold, they just really wanted to have sex and they got it. And now they're ready to move on. And that that's a huge blow for, for people. It really is. And I, I want to go back to the second piece of this before we miss it. So when I say that, that I think it's fine to have sex mm-hmm. if you want to with someone fairly new, the second piece of that is you need to have that conversation about sexually transmitted diseases if you're going to do that. You know, it's fine to have sex with someone you don't know very well, but you need to be able to say, I need you to wear a condom. We need to use protection. And that's something that women aren't terribly comfortable at doing. Wasn't it um, a story that I read that the Villages, which is a huge retirement community in Florida, has one of the highest percentages of sexually transmitted diseases in the nation? Have you heard that story? Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because we assume that, um, and older men are used to equating condoms with pregnancy prevention. So there's that. And then there's also this idea, still, decades later, that sort of decent heterosexual, quote, normal people don't get sexually transmitted diseases. And so there's no problem. Mm. And that's, it's absolutely not true. Absolutely not true. So being able to say, I would love to have sex with you and I would like you to wear a condom is a hard one to do. And what I've said to women before when I've done dating talks is we have this this conversation about protection. And I say, you know what, if you're with a man and they're not willing to protect themselves or you, that shows a lack of respect for her. Well, plus, a if lack you, of respect for your health and safety, right? Yeah, absolutely. And people lie. You know, when I was in my 30s, I had a, a friend, a woman, who confided in me that she had herpes. And she also confided, and I think this might be one of the reasons we're not friends anymore. She also confided to me that she would never tell her sex partner until they had sex at least once. Oh. And and I said, why? I mean, wouldn't you want to tell them before? 
She says, no, because then they won't have sex with me. <laughs> like, really? I mean, yeah. you're saying that just brought this back. And I was so angry when she said that. I mean, it's really none of my business. But right. that that just, I don't know. I just couldn't believe that that, that was her policy. So people yeah, lie. I, I think she's not alone. Yeah, they do. They do. And, you know, having the conversation about sexual health and, you know, STD prevention is really kind of a nice way to roll into a conversation about sexual intimacy, which can be actually a lot of fun. And people will say to me sometimes, well, I'm not sure I'm comfortable having that conversation. And my retort is, if you're not comfortable talking about sex, then how comfortable are you having sex? Right? Because I, I think it's important to be able to talk about it and to say, because you 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 don't just kind of throw out there, well, I want to prevent STDs. You, you can have a, a broader conversation about sex. And I'm looking forward to having sex with you. I think this could be a lot of fun. These are the kinds of things that I like. What are some things you want to talk about? And you can have this sort of a beginning Foreplay is not necessarily what I like, but erotic pleasure or intimacy that builds in the conversation while you also roll in the piece about protection. Right. Now, what do you do about the fact that as we age, our bodies are different? You know, they don't respond the same way and we don't look the same way as we did. You know, some people aren't yeah. comfortable, you know, in dressing in front of their mate even the same one that they've had for years and years. What 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 do you do about that? I think it's definitely harder in new relationships. And in the book that I wrote in 2016, I have a whole chapter about that and sort of you know, think about what you need. Um, so do, can you ask to have the lights dimmed? Can you say, you know, I'm a little shy about undressing? Um, do you maybe even wear like a little um, cami or cute little teddy or some piece of lingerie that maybe covers up something that you're not comfortable with to make it easier. It is a hard thing. It's, it's a little disconcerting. You know, we're saggy. We're, things don't stay in place. Although I'm not sure anything on my body ever really stayed in place. <laughs> um, but I think what's important to understand is that probably 95% of the time, Men aren't looking at that at all. They're not looking at what we think they're looking at. They are often, and I, I don't mean this to sound like I think it's going to sound, they are often so excited about getting to actually have sex that they are not focused on those things. They are much more focused on their own performance and their own body. And so they pay less attention to ours. So that little bit of softness, sagging, doesn't always bother them. It bothers us more, I think, than it bothers them. Yeah, because chances are they're sagging too. Well, exactly. And <laughs> that's where I was going. They they may come with their own set of issues as well. You know, certainly men who have had problems with predictable erections come in with a little anxiety as well. Right. And so, you know, I think we, it, it's really hard to actually say it. You know, to say to a man, I'm trying to think if I've ever done that, to say, you know, I'm not super comfortable with my body. Mm, um, right. It could be a, a freeing thing to say, but it's also 
easy enough to say, how about we put a light on in this next room and we sort of dim this. <laughs> Maybe um, I'll try that with my husband. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, watch. Things, right? Let's you know? dim everything down. <laughs> a little bit of light. Right. Um, oh, it's you basically know, about us finding our comfort level. Right. And saying, this is what works for me. Right. Now, how about before we get to that intimate area. And I know that our time is almost up, but there's one thing I read something on your website and I wanted to ask you about that before our time together ends. And that is about flirting. You know, Uh, we've, you know, if it's been so long, you've forgotten how to do it. So how do you get back into that flirting? It can be as simple, I think, in the beginning as looking directly at the person you're having a coffee date with, reach a hand out. I'm a toucher. Reach your hand out and touch his hand or put a hand on a sleeve. Um, Sometimes just the act of smiling, leaning forward, um, direct eye contact, those things communicate interest and they can, they're flirting in a way. You know, we have to kind of find what works, the tossing our head back and fluttering our eyes, lashes, you know, that's not really for women in their 50s and 60s. I don't think. Um, <laughs> that's true. Although, you know. Twirling your hair. I may have done that. <laughs> right, twirling your hair. But there are ways to communicate desire and interest. You know, a little fidget in the chair. I love to touch. I'm I'm very likely to put my hand on a man's arm, asleep, caress a, I'm a sucker for a, a nice starch shirt. Mm. Um, but I communicate my interest in somebody by that kind of touch. That's not, it's not very threatening. It's not, I'm not throwing myself at somebody, but I'm letting them know very subtly, you know, that I'm interested. Um, men are often a little more direct than we are, or they've totally missed the mark and you're not clear that what's happening is flirting because, you know, if we're just coming back to it after years of marriage, we're a little rusty. Exactly. Both of us. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. So the last thing I wanted to ask is if you have any words of wisdom to the listener who's just getting back into dating, besides the flirting and all of that, like what would the one thing be that you would advise somebody to do either before or while they're, they're trying to find their lasting love? I would first make a list of the kinds of traits I want my ideal man to have. What am I looking for? Am I looking for a book reader, someone who's kind and funny, or do I want someone who's intellectual? Um, Do I want a traveler? Make a list. Kind of think about some things that you are seeking gives you a way to um, begin to to search and to kind of narrow down what you're looking for. And then the second thing, I know you only asked for one, would be to get a good picture of yourself made. You're going to use a picture on your dating profile if you're doing online dating. So have your picture made. Not glammed up, but a, a clear, recent, good picture of you. You're looking at the camera. You're right there. Um, maybe you have a smile, but it's you and you feel comfortable with it. And if you feel confident enough to put up your picture, to have a clear idea of what you're looking for, 
then that's a good start. Mm. There's so much more else you need to do, but, but that's a good way to kind of go and say, I feel good about myself. I am an interesting person that someone would want to go out with. And here's what I'm looking for. That is great advice. So if somebody wants more, they want more of your great advice, how do they get it? Where do they go? Okay. My website is Walker Thornton, T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N.com. So that has articles, um, information on how to contact me, has a link to my book. So that's probably the best place to find me. And then from there, they could go on. I'll put a link to that on the show notes as well. Sorry for interrupting. Okay. No, that's fine. Thank you. Yeah. That would be the best way to, to find me. Okay, great. And then are you also on social media? Are there links on your website to that? Yes. Once you get there on the right-hand side of the page, you can find a link. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook. I don't do Twitter much, but I, I am on Twitter. Um, but I do like to engage. I like to be in that place where I can you know, interact with people. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. This has been great fun. Oh, thank you. It was a lot of fun. I love talking about this kind of thing. I love helping men and women kind of get out there and have some fun. That's great. And for the listener, we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Oh, wait. I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August... Actually, August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, 
Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.